Well, Nick, uh, welcome to the uh, Kevin Polkey The Journey podcast. And uh, it's been, uh, we have Nick uh, Goner with us this morning, and uh, I appreciate you being here. Um, it's uh, one of those things of uh, meeting someone in the gym, and like I've seen you around and saw your face and knew your name, but never put the two in two together until we had a conversation you know probably a couple months ago yeah and so uh, so welcome and uh, so the journey is really about um, transformation and capturing conversations about individuals who've made transformations in their life um, maybe maybe business wise maybe professional wise maybe physically uh, spiritually it's trying to capture any of those stories to spread a spread a word um, and give hope uh, to anybody who may be listening um, that if we can um, go through a, a, a series of transformation then they can as well yeah so uh, absolutely so Nick so t- tell me a little bit I, I as I did a little bit of looking into you and did a I guess they call it stalking uh, Facebook stalking but uh, so you're married yeah and you have two two kids right yep and so what and your wife's name is Brittany Brittany uh, okay her Maiden name is Salamone. Okay, you know, okay. People might know her from the Francesco's restaurant. Okay, from the restaurant business. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then you have two kids, right? Yeah. Elle, she's uh, going to be four this week. Okay, wow. And then my son, Will, is like six months old. Okay, yeah. all right. Okay, well, so, great. Handful. Parent Parenthood <laughs> is uh, amazing to me. I uh, My son will be 23 uh, next month, and my daughter turned 20 in September. And uh, it's a pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing experience. Yeah. So three years apart. Two kids. That's it. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. So, uh, uh, it, it, in my, you know, we talk about it. My wife wanted to have more kids, and at the time, I think probably more out of fear or anything else, uh, financially and all those things. Um, yeah, we probably could have gone. Uh, yeah. We could have gone at least one any more. Any regrets yeah. there? No, not any regrets. But you know, I, I you know, she's probably was more right than uh, than not with uh, with that idea. Yeah. But but no, I'm I'm very fortunate. We have two uh, amazing kids, and they're doing doing really well. So cool. you'll you'll love it. Like I've said to other people, I said I don't recall there was ever whatever stage we were in that was the best stage. Yeah, it, you know. Yeah, it, that's cool. So it was it was cool. So definitely enjoy that. So so tell me a little bit uh, about yourself and tell our audience a little bit about yourself. You're from the Rockford area, from Belvedere area. Yeah, I grew up um, uh, in the Rockford area. Okay, you know, right by uh, Showplace 16. Okay. Uh, um, my family's from Germany. My my dad's side of the family's from Germany, and my okay. my grandfather started a manufacturing company in town. Okay. Advanced machine and engineering. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's kind of been the family business. Okay. Um, and what I was, grew up with, my dad was really busy with work all the time. Okay. Um, you know, just trying to grow the the business, which is now a big global business. Okay. Okay. Um, when I was younger, I was mostly focused on sports. Okay. So really, really big into soccer. Okay. Um, and you know, went overseas with soccer and okay. spent, you know, the majority of my week thinking about soccer, playing soccer. Okay. Um, and I got a little bit older and started having to, you know, do some adulting. So sure, sure, I, sure. I went into a couple, like, small little jobs here and there, you know. Okay. Uh, but pretty much it just ended up being uh, working for the family business my okay. whole life. So. Okay. So going back to the soccer piece, uh, what what got you involved with soccer? Why what was the why soccer not I, I can't work? remember not loving it, you know. Okay. So I think when I started playing when I was like 3. Okay. Um, and I was kind of naturally talented in that area and okay. just really loved the game yeah. and as I as I got older I just loved it more and more. Yeah. So all my friends played, you know, okay. that's 
every weekend we'd be in this state or that state playing in a tournament or something. So okay. it just became like kind of the crux of my life. Okay. So that was through like club soccer yeah. and, and different activities like that. Right. And then did you play in high school as well? Yeah. Uh, played for Boylan. Okay. Um, okay. My senior year, we lost in the state finals. Okay. So oh, that was, uh, okay. it's one of those like Uncle Rico things where it's yeah. like, man, oh, if, if only we could have won that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. But sure. Uh, it was a great experience. Learned a lot oh, from it. Okay. And then um, after high school, did you go on and continue playing soccer? It sounded like you continued playing soccer after that. Where'd you? No, I, uh, I actually didn't. Um, okay. I should have, um, but I fell in love with my uh, girlfriend. I knew if oh. I, if we did this long distance thing, the chances of okay. staying in, together with her were slim. And okay. so, um, plus I, you know, I, I didn't really have any, uh, like super attractive offers at the type of schools that I wanted to go to. I was a little bit undersized. And, okay. Um, you know, so anyway, I just ended up going to Rock Valley and, okay. um, I think it's all for the best cause sure. you know, I was able to marry that girl okay so. all right nice yeah. <laughs> okay. so if there was something regarding playing soccer and I've been an athlete my entire life and um, stopped competing from a competitive standpoint and then moved into coaching when I was in my early 20s so and I think about those time periods regardless if it was wrestling or football or even track and then it evolved into bodybuilding but what if there was something that soccer and going through the experience of being uh, competing at a higher level um, uh, of, of playing soccer and, and uh, being successful at that from a team standpoint, what would you say that you kind of took away from being a soccer player? Well, I think you just hit it at the team standpoint. So, okay. like, there was two sports when I was growing up that my family was really involved in. It was wrestling and soccer. Okay. And they're totally uh, different. When you're when you're wrestling, it's just you and the other guy. Yeah. If you lose, it's all on you. You didn't right. really have to, like – you know, I know there's like a lot of team aspects of wrestling, like in preparation. But when it's when it's match time, like it's just you and the other guy. So yeah. um, with soccer, you you've got to like rely on you know the other ten players on the field right. on, on your side of the team or on, on your team, and yeah. uh, um, you got to make it happen. You got to like be really well coordinated and mm-hmm. you know follow a, a certain scheme or right. system and right. know your role within the team and know how to elevate the people around you and right. um, play off of everybody's strengths and okay. so. We uh, like we were never one of the highest ranked teams in the state, uh, but we just did really well because we were all like playing together since we were kids. So, okay. Okay. so we kind of knew um, knew how to play really well together as a team. Okay. We didn't have any like all Americans or anything on the okay. on the team, but uh, but just cohesively we were really really talented. So okay. I think about like what makes me tick now too, like even in business, and it's. It's just like finding people who have like unique abilities and making sure they're in the right places to be successful and okay. um, kind of directing that whole thing. So Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I could definitely see, just as you were just talking about that, I could see how um, playing an activity, a sport like soccer, and how much each having somebody in the right position and them being disciplined enough to stay within their, stay within their lane, stay within their role, and how that could switch over to industry mm-hmm. how that could switch yeah. over to you know business or in your case manufacturing so so what's it like uh being part of a family business uh, and this well is for third me right? yeah third generation okay. so so i think for me it's like okay well um it's an engineering company my, my grandfather invented a machine tool for like sawing steel mm-hmm. uh 
I'm like the furthest thing from an engineer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a fine artist growing okay. up. Okay. So like I wanted to get an art degree. Okay. Um, actually, I got an associate's in arts, and I wanted to keep going, get like graphic design degree, and like maybe become like an actual, you know, fine artist. Yeah. Um, my dad was kind of like, you know, you don't want to be a starving artist. There's, there's other opportunities out there, and uh, I kind of thought about it too, and I was like, okay, so, um, how do I fit into this family? You know, like with. Uh, everyone being like either an industrial engineer or a manufacturing engineer and like all like very mechanical you know I'm not super mechanical either right. so it was like all right where, where's there a place and at the time like we didn't really have much of a marketing department okay um, and so I started in sales to, to get some experience in the field with the customer and uh, it wasn't long before like my sales career transitioned into being like the marketing leader at advanced okay and okay. so that's what I do now Okay. Is um, I'm the marketing director of Advanced Machine, okay. and I, I'm able to use some of the artistic, creative side um, to help a, a company that makes like mechanical parts communicate uh, in okay. a way that's interesting, and, and okay. to help them tell that story a little bit. Okay, interesting. So. My wife, um, my wife's background is is she's a fine art. Uh, she got a fine arts degree uh, from NIU, and um, and her her. Her early focus was illustration, and that's what she wanted to be an illustrationist. And um, and then, of course, uh, probably someone was talking to her about, you know, if you don't want to be a starving artist, right? Yeah. In, in, the, in the late 80s, so she got into graphic design. And I remember one of her jobs when we first started dating was working at Ingersoll um, uh, Cutting and Tool. Really? No yeah, way. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, we know them well. In the marketing department. No and, way. Uh, and she said that, you know, because I was, I'm like, I was intrigued. Like, all right, so what do you mean marketing? You're marketing uh, tooling? How, do, how does this yeah. work? And, um, and so, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Because I don't know if, in general, when people think of marketing and thinking about TV commercials and thinking about, you know, radio. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. So what's, what's, what's marketing in the manufacturing uh, so engineering? You, you're talking about the journey, right? I think yeah. that's what you call the podcast. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, like, everyone goes through a journey when they, when they make a buying decision. Okay. You know, they might first become, like, aware of a problem that they have or an opportunity that they need to solve. And then they start doing some research and starting to figure out like okay you know what are the potential solutions to this problem and then it comes down to like okay I've got my short list of options here and I got to make a decision right and we call that the buyer's journey okay so like as marketers our job is to like create the content that helps people get through that journey uh, ideally toward your solution okay but even if it's not toward your solution you're like you're establishing authority and gaining credibility because you're producing the type of uh content that they're looking for that helps them solve a problem right, right, right. so like a really good example that anyone could understand is like if um, you bought a washing machine or a dishwasher or something like that from Lowe's yeah. and they taught you like how to install it right. and like what to watch out for and then right. maybe they created a video that helps you do that right, right, like right. people don't really think of that as like creativity or whatever but like if if I see that there's a video that shows me how to do something and that it was produced by like Lowe's or something like right. that you know, that's where I'm going to go buy the machine that I need yeah. to buy. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. So, so a lot of what we do is try to try to help the buyer get through that journey toward the solution. Because, like with industrial products, it's a very niche specific audience, and, right. they, and the answer to their problem may not already be online. Right. Um, so we try to anticipate, like, what are they going through? What are the jobs right. that are that they're trying to get done? And then we make sure that we create content that um, kind of addresses those okay. jobs that they're trying to get done. Well, in you know, you said something interesting about using your example with Lowe's, and and if I go there, not only do I buy the you know, let's say the dishwasher or whatever the washer, but then they're able to help me 
install it. Right, and but, yeah, you can sell the services and everything like that. Yeah, and and that even though uh, I may may or may not choose to install it, but let's say I do, and that was something I didn't know how to do before. Well, now you not only did I get the washer or the dishwasher or whatever, now I've gotten something more that can't ever be taken from me. Right. And so there's just this higher value added thing that. Yeah, it's like the uh, teach a man to fish thing, right? Yeah. And so sometimes you get this like, well, why would we teach them how to install it? We want to sell the installation services. And it's like, why don't you just teach them how to solve, how to install it? Yeah. Like trust trust all the marketers on that yeah. you'll sell more machines and you'll actually sell more service too because they're going to watch the video and be like yeah i don't know how to do this absolutely that'd be me <laughs> and, so, and me yeah. Yeah. you know it took right. me like i actually did one once and it took me like four and a half hours and exactly. my, my uh, brother-in-law was like really it's not that hard i'm like man it was so hard yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the same way with me i can install a ceiling fan yeah, and I know somebody can do it a whole lot faster. Yeah, I just I just did one of those too. So yeah. it's kind of fun to learn now, you know, that um, I'm like a dad, so I got to do dad stuff. Right. Yeah. But um, no, it's not natural to me at all. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it is it is interesting because you know just as we were talking earlier with Dalton, I'm like, what Dalton can do and, and figure out in a matter of time, I'm I'm getting frustrated with you know, yeah. and and so. But the idea of being able, like you were saying, to either a video or something else in creating that relationship with um, with that potential uh, uh, customer, it, it's it's more than just a one-time buy. You know, it's, right. it's long-term. And so... Well, hopefully they share the content. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. The, the next time their buddy needs to install a ceiling fan, they're going to share that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or if we helped someone understand what the right type of sawing machine to buy yeah. is. Uh, you know, they're going to send it to their buddy who needs a, a machine like that. That buddy's going to maybe buy it from us. So. Right, right. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. So, so it, just just from what you were just talking about it, is this idea, right? How, how, how's Nick going to plug into this manufacturer, this engineer world, knowing that that isn't really your bent, but it is um, a way to make a living. It is, but but you still got to be Nick within it. Right. And it, and it sounds like that's a way of, you know, that – that, that creative side, that artistic side, that right part of your brain, part of it is you're able to find a way of thriving and developing some skills level in learning more about manufacturing, learning more about engineering, because obviously you have to understand it. Yeah. Because you can't you can't tell a story about something if you don't understand it. Exactly. You know, but that's that's a really important point. Um, there's no substitute for subject matter expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Yes, I'm the I'm the marketing director of, uh, at the business. I'm also the sales director. I, I travel about 25% of the year with the guys in the field and just listen to them okay. in factories, you know, uh, understanding what makes the, the audience tick okay. so that we can create the type of content that would address that. Okay, sure. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Like, you can't tell a good story if you don't understand what you're talking about. Right. It, unless you're just, like, a phenomenal journalist and you can pull it out of the person. Sure. Um, but it's a lot easier if you kind of – spent some time with the people and you know already like what their challenges are what they're trying to solve yeah well and i think even using that as an example i think even great journalists um the difference between an average journalist and a great journalist is that great journalists they go into their world and they yeah and and they really get inside the subject matter you know get inside that story and that's why they write a phenomenal story right you know yeah they can find that hook that yeah. that the way to tilt the story so it's told in a way that it's never been told before right exactly and so so it's that's yeah so that sounds interesting to be able to go with them go out in the field listen to what's going on 
and and then get a better understanding of what's happening and then when something comes back and you have to um, promote or offer those services or whatever um, then you have a much you have some content to work with yeah that's what this is called it's it's content marketing it's actually what we're doing right now okay. uh, you know sharing people's stories and yeah. like pe- people who listen to this podcast are going to get a idea of who Kevin Polkey is mm-hmm. they might start researching you and realize you got a consulting company and um or uh, sorry counseling company i have a consulting and company too really yes. there you go. <laughs> yeah. i didn't know that <laughs> yeah. um so. so yeah like that was the little plug for his consulting <laughs> the, company i go. didn't realize i was even <laughs> supposed to be doing that no, but, that's uh, fine but yeah uh and, and then you know so you shared something that had inherent value like right. there was value in the in the podcast whether it's entertainment value right. or educational value right right and um you know for that reason they might reach out to you if they yeah. you know, ever need the services you provide. So. Well, and, you know, part of what, what you were just, what you were saying earlier in your story is really why I wanted to do this, um, uh, do the podcast and capture conversations is um, I had somebody a couple of weeks ago um, who, who came on and talked about, um, again, his background, wanting to be an artist, wanting to be uh, this uh, fine art illustrationist. And, but, well, you're going to starve. You're not going to be able to make money. How, how are you going to do this? And so he tried to go into uh, being a designer and, and do these different things, and it just didn't it didn't fit. And he went through this major uh, dark night of his soul and really uh, struggled with that. But what came out of that was going back to who he really was, which um, which now is a tattoo artist, and he does fine art illustration. Yeah. I was going to say, you should tell this guy to call me, because we'd love to hire a, a good designer, illustrator person right now. So. Yeah, well, I, 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 may give, I may give him, yeah. <laughs> I may make you get make I don't know if I need there. any tattoos. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking about one. I don't yeah. have any tattoos yet, but I definitely need the skills that he has. Yeah. Well, it's it's very hard. If you get one, there's a good possibility to get two. That's, yeah. how, that's how it started with me a few years yeah. ago. So, well, let me, uh, so it sounds like that's very much like kind of what you did in your, in your life. You know, you had this situation come up where you had this artistic bent. Um, you, you were able, kind of like you talked about with soccer, you were able to see see how the different parts came together and how things were moving. And maybe even if you weren't able to articulate that at that time, you didn't resist it and you didn't you didn't fight it. And so as you developed and grew and, um, and then you had this, you know, you know, not had this temptation and had this opportunity within the family business, but how is Nick going to fit? Right. So, and then I know you've just recently over the last couple of years started another company. Yeah. And it's called making chips. Yeah. And so tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that. So we talked a little bit about content marketing Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's a kind of subset of marketing that I'm super passionate about. And, um, so uh, yeah, I'll just tell I'll tell the whole origin story. Um, basically, I was um, mowing my yard, okay. and I listened to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, I really need to know a lot more about manufacturing, so I should be listening to podcasts. I think what I searched in the podcast app was like uh, machining podcast. Okay, yeah, you know, I just wanted to fill my mind with as much knowledge as possible since I didn't go through like the engineering school or go through the um, machinist apprenticeship that the company offers. And I've always kind of felt like, man, that's kind of holding me back. So, Mm -hmm. so uh, I searched that and a podcast called making chips pops up and I, I realized it's like two industry guys just kind of talk and shop. And I was like, all right, cool. This, this should be good. And, um, the, the first thing that I really noticed about it was that it was, like, funny and, and it, 
usually with like manufacturing or engineering type content, it's like really, Dry, you know, like it's serious, not like, like yeah. you're reading a textbook or something. Yeah, yeah. But these guys would like kind of joke around with each other and give each other crap a little bit. So, um, and they brought great guests on. Okay. And I was just like, man, that's a great podcast. And um, started listening to it a lot, learning from it. And I sent, I sent them an email because you know I was responsible for PR for the company too. So I sent them an email that included a uh, like our little uh, company um, identity video that okay. that we had produced. And uh, I was just like, hey guys, you, I love your podcast. Here's a little bit about my family. And uh, it was like a really well produced video. And mm-hmm. uh, one of my partners, who's who's the host, um, Jim Carr, he. Um, Watched the video, sent me an email back. Oh, I love your video. Like, you should be on the podcast. So I was like, yes. You know? <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. Uh, so um, I met with Jim and his and the other partner, Jason Zanger, and we, uh, we uh, recorded the podcast at this big trade show in Chicago called IMTS. Okay. And um, I remember at the time I was reading this book about, like, how to, how to start a business audience first. Like, you know, you just build an audience over time, and then it can – from there, you can launch into you know a variety of entrepreneurial adventures, and mm-hmm. and I was thinking, man, these guys are doing that. These guys are doing content marketing, and and so we meet at the trade show, and um, uh, we record the episode, and Jason goes, hey, you know, we think this could be an eight-figure business someday, and I was like, I know it can. Like I'm reading all these books about it. You guys are killing it with content marketing, and Jim Carr was like, what's content marketing? <laughs> I'm like, it's what you're doing, man. Uh, you're creating content that's valuable in and of itself, and you're giving it away for free. And um, let me guess, are you guys charging some sponsors to like you know promote their brands? Or like a little bit. And you know, fast forward a, a couple years, and we, we stayed in touch, and I would kind of help them with some of the strategy and stuff. And uh, then they started generating like some really significant sponsorship revenues. But uh, the problem with that is you can only fill your content with so many sponsors and and we want to do it in a really like natural way so that it doesn't look like a nascar with like you know yeah stickers all over it right and we want to make sure even when it's sponsored content it's still uh, meeting our mission to equip and inspire the manufacturing leader so um you, you can't just like keep adding sponsorship spots just to try to make more money you have to branch out after after you hit a certain point in your audience and go into some other revenue generating opportunities and that's where I came in so I uh I had like a five-person marketing department at AME okay it's sometimes hard to it's always hard to prove the exact like ROI of of the marketing that you're doing you know to trace like someone listened to a podcast or someone saw a video all the way back to the ROI for our audiences return on investment yeah okay so you know they're trying to figure out like okay how how does this how do I connect everything that this marketing department is doing to a sale? Yep. And, um, and so like we're, we were always kind of thought of as this like necessary evil, but you know, this, it's this expense on the company. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, with, with content marketing, you actually like generate revenue with the marketing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you're getting the brand awareness. Yes. It's generating opportunities for your business, but it's actually like a revenue generator mm-hmm. too. Um, I was like, I want something like that. Uh, so, what making chips needed was like a way to kind of diversify into a new revenue stream in addition to the, um, the content. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted was to take the marketing department and separate it from the business um, so that we could still serve the business, but they would be a client and we could take other clients. And so what we did is we formed a joint venture um, 
we call it Making Chips, the same name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But now we have the, the marketing services sure. and the media side. Okay. okay. And so we start, we've just, like, officially opened the doors in 2019. So we've got, oh. like, six clients right now. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so this is really new. This is a Super a new. new. Yeah. Super new. I mean, you're, you're uh, moving it from beyond the podcast platform and moving it into um, diversifying the business. Yeah, I mean, we still produce the podcast every week. That's never going to change. Okay. We're going to do content in some other formats, too. Sure. Um, We're starting a collaborative publishing model where we basically bring in some of these leaders, the type of people that we would interview on the podcast, and let them contribute content for us to publish on the Making Chips site. Um, And then we have the whole agency side where we help companies like Advanced Machine Engineering. Gotcha. You know. Okay. Drive more traffic to their website, convert more of that traffic into leads, and you know, create more customers. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, well, that sounds like again goes back to this whole idea of. You know, starting off at at AME and and moving there, but but continue to grow and continue to expand and continue to um, you know follow your own passions and your own your own calling. In, right. In that aspect. Yeah. So now it's like my two roles are the sales and marketing director for AME and the managing director for um, making chips. Okay. And, and then the family is a one third owner of the making chips. Okay. Brand with with the other two hosts who founded it. Okay, nice. So, yeah, it's just kind of a a way to make uh, the marketing department a revenue center instead sure. of an expense. Sure, sure. Okay, yeah. I understand that completely. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the in, in in my the primary company KP Counseling, um, you know, it's it's very much that. And and I look at what have I done over you know since two thousand one as far as um, marketing or promoting, and um, it, it's kind of that. Uh, I remember in, in, when I first started in 2001, I was like, all right, how am I going to advertise or market mental, mental health, mental illness, you know, you know, got kind of depression, like a you know, topic say, yeah. sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and so I remember struggling with that and not knowing how to do it and not, it and not be cheesy, not be, yeah. you know, just weird. Right. Right. And, um, and so, and then how to do something that I would be proud of, you know? And so what I did is I started off, um, you know, and I tried one time I did a, uh, a print ad, you know, in the, in uh, it, Diane, my wife did a great job with illustration and everything that we, you know, with the imagery and everything we were doing, but it just didn't get much traction and it was like super expensive. Yeah. And, um, but what what I did right away, and it, my very first article that I posted, I guess they would call them today blogs, but yeah. in 2001 they didn't call them that. Yeah. Um, I did it right after 9-11. It was October of 2011, and I wrote a, an inspirational story. And so every month for uh, for 10 years, I would write uh, these little short one, two-paragraph inspirational stories just about observations that I was making, mm-hmm. and I was just putting that out. And I actually sent it with my clients um uh, statements you know um and so it was the idea was is that even though i'm asking you to pay your bill um i want to give you something uh, uh letting you know that i'm still thinking of you or, that's awesome you know, and yeah. so so that's how it all started and then when you know when the internet became much more accessible um and then i just started posting things on more of a social media platform and then so that's and then then this has evolved, you know, yeah. of how to be, because I I fell in love with uh, getting content because um, I couldn't stay awake at night anymore. You know, before I go to bed, I was used to read all the time, yeah. and then, now I'm 
that's how I go to sleep, right? Yeah. And so, uh, but the best way for me to get content and stay up on things was to listen to podcasts. Yeah, and so exactly. I listen to them when I'm working out, when I'm driving, when I'm doing yard work or whatever it may be. And um, and so that's really kind of the same, yeah, the same very, very, journey very about the journey. So so let me let me guess the the content that you were producing and that you were sending out and like promoting. Um, would you say that was like more effective than the kind of traditional forms of advertising? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, someone asked me about it. I, I don't think I ever, ever mentioned anywhere in there other than, you know, other than the title because I'd have it, it would all be on one page flyer. Did I even mention KP counseling? Right. I never in any of the stories ever said anything exactly. about counseling or mental illness or anything like that. It was just about observation of life, you know. Same thing with making chips. Like, Jason Zenger's got a tooling company, uh, a tooling industrial supply company. Uh, Jim Carr has a precision machine shop. We obviously have advanced machine engineering. When it's natural, we'll talk about it on the podcast, but we don't use it as a, a platform to like blow our own trumpet the whole yeah, time. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's completely separate. But yeah. um, but people learn who we are, and yep. you know we, uh, you know, I guess indirectly. Yeah. get some brand awareness from it well and i think i think it's that piece what you just said is it's so important and that's what intrigues me most about what i get the opportunity to do regardless if it's in this in this context or in in counseling or when i'm consulting or coaching or whatever it may be is that just getting to know people's stories which is what intrigues me and that's really how this all started because i just wanted like if i could just capture these so other people could hear what i hear on a regular basis maybe someone else could benefit from yeah, that. Yeah, so, that's awesome. I love so that, it. So that's really kind of the whole thing. So um, so also tell me about this. Now, so Making Chips is, is the new venture, right? And yeah. obviously it's it's been it's been unfolding here for a little bit. And um, and so, uh, but you also are involved within the community too. I know you do things with Youth for Christ, um, and then you also do with Lennox um Lennox Barnett Ministries. So, yeah. so tell me, tell me a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that, and what that's been like, and what's your experience been like with that. Yeah. So it's easy to tell the story and kind of like uh, forget all the conflict okay. and all the all the hard parts of the journey, the uphill parts of, mm-hmm. the, of the journey. Feel free to jump um, into that too. Yeah, because <laughs> that's pretty important part. Because you know, I, I sometimes jump on podcasts and talk about making chips, and it's like, man, oh great, what a great thing, and it's like I don't tell like what I went through. Um, what, what really happened was, um, before uh, the advanced machine engineering job turned into the making chips, uh, job, there was some big challenges. Um, I had this like really elevated, uh, vision for where we should be from a marketing department. And I was really struggling to communicate that and really getting frustrated at the mm-hmm. company and um, when it's a family business you don't really separate family from business so mm-hmm. everything's personal yeah, yeah. Um, so when your dad's your boss you know mm-hmm. you, you can easily mix it up and um, I decided we decided that it might be best for me to leave the family business for a while so mm-hmm. I uh, took a job in insurance like mm-hmm. the worst industry for me to be in um, and kind of lost track of the family and went through some like really really stressful times okay uh just lots of anxiety Mm -hmm. um feeling like all right well i'm gonna show them that like i can do this without them type type like chip on your shoulder thing and then so this was like a like a state farm type like that type no like a big commercial insurance agency oh commercial um, okay you know for it's actually the insurance agency for um 
for our family business. And, oh, okay. Um, like my, commercial insurance. Yeah, the best man in my wedding is like our broker. And okay. he, he knew that I was in a challenging place. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll get you a meeting with my boss. And I was like, I'm going to try to get him to hire me. And, you know, I okay. did. So um, great company. It just didn't work out. Like, I, I don't understand insurance. I understand making things. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Right. And so, um, so, and I work really well with the team. And there I was just like by myself. So I felt this like overwhelming responsibility to be a web designer, be a graphic designer, be a web developer, be a, a writer and an editor, um, be the strategist. And I, it was just all on my, on my own. Like, and so I, I spent all of my time studying and trying to figure out like, how do I in six months check all these boxes and get all these skills. Okay. Cause I, I think if I focused on any one of those things for a certain amount of time, I could probably get there, but trying to do it all at once, oh, yeah. I was just uh, overwhelming myself. Sure. And, um, you know, people are always like, Oh, be careful. You don't burn yourself out. And what I learned through that time is that like, um, burnout is like an actual real thing. Like you, like yeah. you're so stressed for so long, you never stop. Um, trying to like study up on everything and then you can like actually go through depression yeah and so um that's what happened okay you know i ended okay. up going through like really really serious depression okay everything was a challenge yeah you know family family business yeah this new thing yeah. that i was doing in the insurance world and then really wanting to make this making chips thing happen too and like not wanting to lose that opportunity and it's just like yeah it, it was uh it was too much for me so um I was going to a counselor in town trying to figure out, like, all right, this is an issue. I just want to get it fixed. What do I need to do? Um, and then there was some talk, like, maybe you should be on some medicine for it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, anti-medicine mm -hmm. or anything, yeah. but I just – I had to spend a lot of time praying and thinking about, like, is this what I need to be doing? Because it's a pretty big commitment to get on, like, an antidepressant. Sure. You know, you're, yeah. you're kind of changing your uh, brain chemistry. and. I know for some people that's th that's the right answer, but right. for me, I wasn't convinced. I uh, I really didn't want to change my brain chemistry. I just wanted to feel like I used to feel. Yeah. Um, and so I had to get back to like w who I truly am spiritually, you right. know, and that's a follower of Christ. And yep. and I had kind of lost that. I'd, I I kind of like made this whole business thing an idol and sure. um, kind of just relied on help from like all the wrong places. You know? Sure. And so. Um, during that time, I just, I, I remember like, it was like the first time I actually started reading my Bible, like consistently mm -hmm. and just looking for answers sure, and yeah. spending a lot of time in prayer and just like, like listening and, um, trying to figure out like, okay, what, what is it that I need to do? And I, I kind of made a, a deal with God, like, I'm going to give it a certain amount of time. And when I have clarity and like when, when you and I, God, like when we're, in agreement that this is what I need to do, I'll start taking some medicine. But until then, I don't want to do that, you know. Um, I, th I still think there's some things that I need to work out. And so, like, when I would sit there and when I would read, um, everything that's, like, in the Bible about actually living the Christian life is about, like, serving others mm -hmm. and li living for eternity and living outside of yourself. And um, th I, I don't even think, like, the early church had time to like be stressed out about what was going on with them because they were on a mission for something bigger than that. Mm -hmm, and yeah. I was just like, you know, here I am. I, my whole life I've identified as a Christian, but I've never really like lived it out. You know, sure. maybe I should start doing that. 
And so um, I just was looking for ways to get involved in the community and to like actually start like serving others and like helping people okay. who are less fortunate. And uh, that's how I got involved with YFC. Okay. So it's, it's kind of an amazing story. Like my um, sister-in-laws from Francesco's were like sponsoring this family. Okay. Um, around the holiday time. And uh, w- I wasn't even supposed to be involved. Mm-hmm. And then um, she was like, you know, we got to go to a really rough part of town and drop off these gifts. Can you can you come with me? Uh, my sister, Michelle. And I was like, sure. So I kind of just left work a little early and said, yeah, I'll go with her. And we went with her. And, like, what – I mean, R- Rockford's got some rough areas, you know. And, yeah. like, what I saw in that place just, like, broke my heart. Sure. You know, it was just – cloud of smoke there was like seven kids there was a couple adults there but they like one of them wouldn't even get out of bed i don't know what the situation was but it probably wasn't a very good one um there it, there was nothing in there and so here we go we, we drop off all these gifts and i'm thinking like is this really going to help them mm-hmm. you know like it's going to help them temporarily but like they need some real help so the oldest of the kids was a was a guy named neil and um I just felt like I should try to like stay involved with mm-hmm. the kids life, okay. you know? And so, um, after we dropped those gifts off, uh, the woman who had kind of organized it all was my, um, my nephew's teacher. Okay. Uh, it was like, it was her and a, a friend. And, uh, the friend was, was talking about like, yeah, you know, they're, it's a really, really tough situation here. And Neil's really kind of like the leader of the whole family. He's like an 18 year old kid. And, um, but he's, he needs some guidance and he needs some help. And I was just like, okay, you know, nothing really clicked. Um, and we went about our day, um, you know, impacted us, but we did the good deed or whatever and that's it. Right. Right. Well then Sunday I was going to this church, uh, that Sunday I was going to a small church. There's like 40 people in the church and like in the front row was, Beth, the woman who had organized the whole Christmas gift thing for, mm-hmm. for Neil's family. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's a really small church, and I never thought I'd see that Beth person again. Sure. And so I started talking to, to Beth, and I was like, wow, it's so great to see you. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, hey, thanks a lot for helping out. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, an honor. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, how do I help more, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, Neil needs a ride to a club on Thursday. I didn't know what club was. Okay, sure. And so I was like, sure, I'll take him. So drive to the not nice part of town, pick him up. Didn't realize I was going to pick up him and, like, half of his family. So I'd, like, take the car seats <laughs> out of the car and, like, brought them all to a club. And turns out um, club is Youth for Christ. Okay. And so um, didn't really know what I was doing. And one of the uh, leaders there um, is – She's like the director of uh, City Life, which is like that part of Youth for Christ. That's yeah. Allie Barnett. Sure. Yeah. And so um, she's like, well, all the volunteers come over here. And I just stuck with the kids. I didn't realize I was a volunteer, you know. She's like, no, you're you're one of the leaders. You're a volunteer. I was like, okay, sure. So I come back and, you know, we all like pray and then talk about like how we're going to help the kids and um, what, what kind of the focus of the evening is going to be like. And um, I didn't know who Alicia Barnett was. I I knew her name was Allie, but I didn't realize that she was married to this guy who was like a mentor to me growing up. Oh, uh, and okay. That's Lennox Barnett. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. um, so I kept, I continued to like stay involved with Neil's family and bringing them to YFC, and um, I, through Allie, I realized like I was like, "What's your last name?" She's like Barnett. I was like, "I know a Lennox Barnett." She's like, "That's my <laughs> husband." Sure. And so then 
it, it was just like a, a sequential answer to prayer. Like, how do I get involved with the community and start living outside of myself? Check, you know, this is how. How do I find, like, friends who are kind of more focused on, on living out their faith? Well, th- there's Allie and Lennox who are, like, my two two of our best friends, yeah. my, my wife and I now. Yeah. So, like, check. And yeah. then, actually, Lennox has a ministry, too, so I'm, yeah. on, I'm on the board of his ministry yeah. as well. Right, right, right. Okay. So okay. now that's enough. Like, I got yeah. to make sure I don't do anything else because I'll burn out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, 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 right. So, okay. But that's kind of the whole uh, story of how I got involved with doing some of the community stuff that I do. So when you th- go back and think, and, and, and Allie's great. I've known Allie for a long time. I've uh, known Lennox for a long time, actually, how I think our past actually ended up crossing and and connecting faces and names and everything was I was stepping down from Lennox's uh, um, board and as you were stepping onto it. And and so, uh, but Lennox is a a great guy. He, he was uh, a, a powerful influence in my uh my son and daughter's life when he was at Rafford Christian and um he was there when when my son graduated from Rafford Christian during the four years he was that's there. where I went to school that's how I knew Lennox too oh did you okay. elementary school okay and then obviously boiling for high school so you were at Rafford Christian up until eighth grade um yep okay okay all yeah. right yeah so so now what year did you graduate from high school oh six okay okay so I'm 31 okay so Kelsey Grindle does that name <laughs> Yeah, um, that that does kind of. I think she's a couple years behind you. I think my little brother Alex is friends with her. Okay. Okay. So, All right. That's yeah. my niece. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Uh, so. Yeah. yeah the, the name's familiar, yeah. but I barely remember high school. Sure. 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 <laughs> For a variety of reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you also then by that by that point you were in you were at Boylan too. So, yeah. So then it switched over, but so going back to that idea that. Obviously, you know, when you're doing counseling stuff and, and, and the depression is is affecting multiple areas, right, in, in energy-wise and motivation and ability to sleep and all those different types of things, concentration. So, you know, a natural thing is, is um, for a counselor to offer, you know, looking at the possibility of maybe we need to look at an antidepressant because sure. we don't know. Maybe it, maybe there is some biochemical piece going Absolutely, on here. Yeah. And so that's a pretty normal, natural piece. But at the same time, you inside, as you were contemplating about that idea, um, you, there were some things that you know that you hadn't done yet. Yeah. And right. um, and I went through something that's very similar. Not necessarily wasn't about medication, but it was about having surgery, spinal surgery, a few years ago. And and I knew that um, before I made that leap to do that, I wanted to uh, go through, try to exhaust other possibilities. And so this idea of not only going down your spiritual path and 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 trying to go back to who are you spiritually but then taking that and putting that into action as well and in taking these stories that you read as you were reading about uh jesus ministry and the early church ministry about um being outside yourself and and reaching out and Mm -hmm. so how much do you think or, or maybe that's not the right way to say it but uh, it sounds like that that was that was a big turning point. Yeah, for you. Well, I wouldn't say that I'm like hundred uh, percent good, like mentally, ever. You okay. know? <laughs> it's so, it's a process. Right? Yeah. It, it's a it's an up and down. <laughs> right. You know? Like I think a lot of creatives probably are the same way. Yeah. You know, um, but it's just a different kind of piece that I have now. You know, uh-huh. just kind of 
like understanding that this is all temporary none of it really really matters and uh-huh. like now now that i feel better about like the only thing that really does matter which mm-hmm. for me is just like glorifying god uh-huh. you know and thinking eternally instead mm-hmm. of just about this life right here right um it makes it easier to handle the rest right so it's like the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being like a, a wonderful counselor mm-hmm. and a comforter and a protector and like so um, that's I, that's what I was missing like I just what I just didn't really have that strong relationship right. with the Holy Spirit at the time and uh, that doesn't mean that I'm like don't have anxiety issues or I sleep great every night you know mm-hmm. like being right. an entrepreneur sucks a lot of times yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. it's not easy you got to make hard decisions you got to yeah. figure out um, how to answer questions that don't have an easy answer. Right. Um, but I'm just like, okay with it now. You know, mm-hmm. my identity isn't wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. So, well, you know, it's interesting. Yesterday I was, I was teaching a class or involved with teaching a class yesterday. And, um, and one of the, the things that came up was this idea of, um, that when Jesus historical Jesus when he was uh, when he was here on earth it was a time when the Roman government was was heavily uh, was in control of the of the Jews of the Hebrews at that mm-hmm. time and part of what the saying was and I'm, and I'm some of this I'm taking from other people so if I don't get it right I imagine someone will, will comment on that but yeah, right. <laughs> here's the premise of what I'm trying to get to is that um, the Caesars were referred to as the son of God that they were considered a deity mm-hmm. and 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 that and so as uh as as Jesus ministry after his death happened um I don't know if he ever referred to himself as the son of god but he did refer to him, himself as a son of man and this idea how I've translated that how I took that and and through obviously the influences of others is that it was about how about living now that Jesus came so that we could understand of how about living in our everyday. Yes, it was about the afterlife, but it was also about how are you living now? Are you chasing after um, or trying to prove to someone else what you're worth? Right. Yeah. It's like this whole: um, do, do you do do you serve because you believe, or are you serving like? It's like, you know, do you feel like you need to do these good works Mm -hmm. so that you'll believe more? Or Mm -hmm. do you do these good works because you believe that he's the the son of God? Yeah. You know, whether he was constantly talking about how he is the son of God or not. Like, I think he came to show us how to live. Yeah. And so, like, he was an action-oriented person. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so it's like, I think on paper I would have always said, like, yeah, I believe, right? But, like, now, like... I just want my life to show that I believe. Like yeah. I do these things because like my affections have changed. Yeah. yeah. You know, I really want to do these things. Yeah. I, I don't. It doesn't like suck to do it, or yeah. I don't feel like I, I uh, serve out of like obligation or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I get tired, and it's like, man, do I really got to go to another meeting? Yeah. Um, but I I get uncomfortable when when I'm focused on just like temporary like worldly things too much. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it's like therapeutic to right. get involved in in some of the stuff that I'm involved in. Well, and I think any time that we have we're in conflict with who who we are and who we're really designed. You know, it's kind of like going back to what you said where at the beginning when we first started this conversation is that you'd always wanted to be an artist. You always wanted to be, you know, and somehow involved with uh, being an illustration or, or you know that that creative side of you. 
and by trying to be something that you weren't, there was going to be tension and conflict. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you started discovering how that could be. And then, you know, being not being true to how, you know, how you originally identified um, from a spiritual standpoint, you know, that there's, yeah, you were, you know, you may have identified as being a Christian in your thinking, but in your heart and your actions, they, those were compartmentalized. Yeah. And, and so as you aligned more, you know, together doesn't make everything perfect, but it makes the flow uh, a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to see more and more opportunities to, to participate, to get involved. Um, the things that are conflict, you get a higher altitude Mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah, Um, exactly. You know, it's kind of like when you go back to your, you know, talked about being a soccer player, you know, when you can start seeing the different roles, you don't need an all American on your team to do really well. Um, so you can just see how things flow together or when you were talking about the manufacturing being able to all right how are we going to tell a story about this and and help someone solve problems yeah initially it's not they not it may not be a business transaction Mm -hmm. but it's relationship development right so uh, yeah so yeah absolutely well well nick you know it's been uh definitely uh wonderful having you here and talking about your story and and I've, i feel like i've gotten to know you like a thousand times more than 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 i knew knew before and it and you know that story of not only about always being that artist inside but then also what you went through when that conflict was happening and and where you went to find that healing mm-hmm. and in discovering who you have been the whole time right. and and then and then having the courage to start acting that out. Um, really appreciate you being here, being here on the show and being able to share some of your story. And um, I know that there'll be people listening to your story going, um, okay, maybe that's my story too. Yeah. And so I, I really appreciate you being here and I will definitely keep in touch. And as, as time unfolds, maybe we'll have you back on and see what else you're doing and uh, see if you're saying no to the right things. Uh, yeah. So you can say yes to the, yeah, right as well. I think that's a big one too. Is just like trying to pile too much on. Yeah, you know, I got to be careful with that. But um, I also just want to say, like for me, medicine wasn't the answer. But I'm I'm really not trying to say um, that. Like I'm not one of those people who thinks that like you know you shouldn't take medicine if mm-hmm. uh, if it is the answer for you. So yeah. I just really want to. Oh sure yeah, that's, there, that's yeah. out there. You know. Yeah, it's a tool. Yeah, and it, and it's a tool to slow the noise down. Um, you know, because if there is a chemical imbalance, then that medicine's there for a purpose and exactly. it, and allows us then to do that tough work either in counseling or, or involvement with people or whatever it may be. But it is a tool. It in itself, I've never seen, uh, it, it, it's not going to be the solution within itself, but it's a tool to help um, in the healing process. Sure. So, cool. so Nick, besides that, any, any last thing that you'd want to share with, with the people listening? Well, um, I... I think like I didn't even know what the podcast was about when I got here. Okay, um, and sure. I love hearing people's journeys. Yeah. So um, you just got another subscriber here. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I listen to about fifteen, sixteen different podcasts okay. right now. So All this right. is going to be on the list. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, definitely let people know, and we'll we'll be in touch. So thanks again for being here. Nick. Yeah. Hey. Thanks, man. All right. Bye.